is Mike and Paige, and we're laugh so you don't cry. We're two college sweethearts who really love each other. We have four kids, and we live in the Nashville area. We just love to tell stories, and some are fun, and some are, you know, hard. <laughs> but we'll laugh so we don't cry. Hey guys, this is Mike, and thanks for joining us today. Um, this episode, and probably the next couple, because this is a pretty long story, um, are going to be pretty brutal. Um, this it's not going to be fun. Not at not all. Not as fun. <laughs> not at all. Um, and so the last year has been the roughest year of our lives. And it was miserable. I would prefer to never, ever experience it ever again. We're, we're kind of in this spot right now where we're still in the middle of this crazy year that we had, um, but we're also kind of coming out of it. So um, that's why we wanted to record this, because while the feeling is still very fresh, uh, we wanted to just share this crazy and horrible and beautiful story while it was fresh in our memory. Um, this episode, we're talking about our separation. The, when right as the pandemic happened, Mike and I separated for three months. Um, I have a history of being a party animal. I also have a very addictive personality, and that has played its 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 way out in many ways through my life, uh, through food, um, media, pornography, um, drinking, and unfortunately, another one too is drugs. Right, and I knew Mike in college. That's how we met, and I knew that he was a um, party animal. He used to call it his sex, drugs, and rock and roll phase. <laughs> And it really wasn't that um, much of a shock to me. I, when this came up in our marriage, I guess what I was shocked about was that relapses happen. I knew that that was in his past, but I didn't know that it rears its ugly head again. Uh, I didn't keep those things a secret from her, my past, uh, because... you know, when I was younger, um, I was exposed to a lot of things. I grew up smoking weed and drinking and stuff like that when I was like 13 and whatnot. And we used to take acid. And you know, like all 13 year olds Like all 13-year-old kids, you know. My gosh. Um, <laughs> this is why you parental supervision is very important. <laughs> um, and submitting to parental supervision. If they were there, I would have submitted. <laughs> Your sister was really good. My sister was amazing, yes. Um, I grew up without a dad, and my mom died when I was 13, so... My sister, who was a young... Is a saint. Is a saint. Um, they took care of me. But let's be honest, a 13-year-old with anger issues is really hard to control. So anyway, um, but that just... Nobody ever taught me about self-control, and I just didn't have any. And so I, for years, I abused drugs on and off. Um, the heaviest thing I ever did was PCP. Um, but yeah, the painkillers, which is my drug of choice... Um, snuck its way into my life when I was in my twenties and yeah, that was, uh, part of my downfall and part of the reason why we got separated. So how did that start when we were dating? Um, well, uh, I went, I went, we went to Bible college. <laughs> we went to Moody Bible Institute. Obviously we're all drugs. Obviously. Um, come back <laughs> so no, um. No, I, I followed the Lord uh, Jesus for a long time, and I was sober on and off. And I, you know, I, I, I was never like before before Paige. I wasn't like some drug addict. I would just do it to have fun, you know, go to a concert, pop some Vicodin, drink a couple beers, and hang loose. Um, and then when I decided to take my faith seriously, I got sober. And so we, I got sober, and I went to Bible college and met Paige. So my family, um, my mom's a nurse, and for the better or for the worse, when we had a headache, we took prescription headache medicine. When we had something wrong, when I had like bad cramps growing up, I took prescription pain meds. And I never thought anything of it. That was just, you don't really think about things from your family of origin, that you just do the things that they do. And I didn't know that that was weird. I knew, you know, that's just what we did. And I didn't really ever take medicine. Uh, when I was shipped off to, when I was shipped off to college, um, my mom made me this little um, pill case, and it had pills in it for any situation. And she labeled them and told me like, "This is a, a pain reliever. This is a 
you I know, remember headache, that. I remember, so <laughs> remember that. I remember that bottle very well, actually, because yeah. it had the, the color coded uh, inside of yeah. it, like handwritten. And um, she just, that's what we did. So Mike met my mom right after we were engaged. She mm-hmm. came up with her best friend and Mike was, com- I think Mike saw her get into her medicine. And then instantly I remember he said, oh, my back's really been hurting. Mm-hmm. Now, I was like 450 pounds at the time, and I was in pain. Um, but you exaggerated oh, it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, I'm really thirsty right now. Hand me another beer. Like, yeah, like, I f- for sure exaggerated. Um, but part of being an addict is you're not ex- – you don't really recognize yourself exaggerating. You're just like – you have one goal in mind, and that is to get your hands on some medicine. Um, so that's while we were dating, we got married. Um, and then when we had our first, we moved to Tennessee because that's what you do when you have babies, you move closer to family so they can help you out. Yeah. Cause prior to that, we were living in Washington state and that's where, you know, we went to college at, that's where we lived at. Um, yeah, but let's talk about why you took them. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, to get high. No. Uh, so I mean, I, I, I took pills because I, one, I was in pain, but two, because it was kind of like my treat to myself. You know, um, when we got married, I was working a labor job. It was incredibly physically demanding and it was nights. So I was by myself for 12 hours a day, six days a week at night in the cold doing a very physically demanding job. And I felt like I deserved to not be in pain. He deserved. And I felt like I deserved to make that job as easy as possible. And you know what makes labor jobs not hard is numbing your entire body with a handful of pills. And I I also treated it like people treat, you know, coming home after a long, hard work day and drinking a beer. That's how he saw it in his mind. Mm-hmm. That's how he justified his yes, addiction. Yes, I justified it for sure that way. And that's how I treated it. It was my, you know, my crutch, my thing to use to get through the day. You know, some people put in their earbuds and they listen to their favorite song. I popped open a pill bottle and took my favorite medicine, whatever I get my hands on at the time. Um, so we moved to Tennessee. Oh, that was so hard. It was hard for a lot of reasons. Let me first say we moved from college town um, to Tennessee, where I grew up, and Mike didn't know anyone. Dude, now, I grew I up here, but, you know, it had been seven years, so there had been a lot of life that my friends had lived. A lot of my friend group wasn't hanging out together anymore. It, we changed, and so even though it was my childhood home, we didn't know anyone, and I would even say people that we hang out with now aren't even people that I knew growing up. They're all new people. Mm-hmm. And we went from having community to not having anyone. What did that do to you, Mike? Uh, that destroyed me. Um, and I did not want to move to Tennessee. Um, that was not my, it, it, it wasn't for me. And I used to say that as like a martyr, as like a, you know, like I didn't do this for me. Um, the reality was, is, is it was a good choice for my children. It was a good choice for my wife. And the economy out here in Tennessee was way better, still is way better than uh, where I'm from, Michigan, and also where we were living in, in Washington. And so it it was the smart thing to do. And with kids, like, we had all the support in the world here with her family. And so it just, it made sense. Um, I didn't like it, though. Uh, I left all my friends behind. Uh, we left our church community, our small group, um, and man, like I felt so, the most alone I've ever felt. Because um, it, it's hard meeting. First of all, we're going through a bet, big change in life. Mm-hmm. With we our first kid. Our parents, so you can't go out and hang out. We are hours of the night, morning, whatever. And in addition to that, We're also adjusting to having a baby. We don't know anyone. We're not in social groups to meet new people. And we went to a phenomenal church. We love the church. But, you know, it takes time to find a small group, get plugged in, meet people. 
And when I was, I mean, I was using the pills back in Washington a little bit here and there. Like, I mean, it was, it was on the regular, but, um, they didn't have the emotional and spiritual impact on me as they did until we moved here because, you know, I, I had a good support group. I had friends, I had family, I had people I was really close with, you know? And so even though I was doing something stupid, I was still thriving a little bit, not, not a lot, but enough to get out, to get to pass. And we moved out here and I, I knew, I didn't know anybody. I mean, and all the only people we saw were people that Paige knew or her family. And as much as I love my in-laws, you can only see people so often, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, man, I, my first job out here, I, I'm thankful to the Lord that we got it, that I got it. Because if I hadn't gotten it, we would not have been able to find a place to live out here. And we would have been living with my in-laws. God bless my heart. And so, but the job was with the most awful human beings in the world. It really, they really were awful in it. They treated him dirty, to be super frank. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> It, he fell into a bad depression. So within that depression that I don't think he was really communicating to me, in addition to that, we had went to the cabin with my family. Every year we go around Christmas time to a cabin. And my brother had access to pills. And Mike apparently had asked my brother for pills. And to my brother's credit, my brother came straight to me and told me, Well, I exploded. That was the first thing that I knew of Mike taking pills incorrectly. And I told him it was us. It was me and Zayo or the pills that we weren't doing this, that you needed to figure this out, that I wasn't going to be a part of it. Um, I felt like I scared the mess out of him, but I didn't. And I just told him, like, we've got to, this isn't happening. We are not doing this. And he had to go back home to work. I stayed with my family, and I remember just being so sad and crying alone in our room. Yeah, one, I felt betrayed by your brother, (laughs) mainly because, you know, like, it just... uh, (laughs) He has an alternative life. He has an alternative life, and I was like, why you gotta do me dirty like that? Um, You know, to, to say, you did scare me, and... I think the, I think the reality of it was is that I, I I heard you I heard you loud and clear like it is the pills or it's them and I wanted to choose you because oh pills okay whatever I I, I can stop taking pills pills aren't a aren't, aren't a problem you. well that's the thing it's like the, the pills weren't the problem yet it was what was causing me to take the pills and why sure. I was taking them and I didn't know that mm-hmm. because I wasn't healthy. And so, um, I started looking around and I can't remember, somebody told me about, oh, somebody told me about CR, Celebrate Recovery. And so I found one local to us and it was great. I made some really great lasting relationships in that. Um, and I started going and I got a sponsor. Um, you know, I took, I took what Paige said seriously and I'm like, okay, I gotta get sober. I think I made it six months with no, with no medicine, with no, with no pills. You would know, I don't. I really don't. I, I don't know. I don't call offhand. Um, but the whole time I was playing it close to the chest, I was not being transparent with Paige. Um, which Were you something, being transparent in your step group? Step study? As much as I knew how to. Uh, I would say the past couple of years, especially this past year, I've learned about transparency and what it actually what it actually means to mm-hmm. to dissect that, like what it means to be transparent. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, I started going, <laughs> I started doing a step study and if anybody has ever been through any kind of step study to like work the program, um, step four, making a inventory is the worst thing you'll ever do in your entire life. It's it, honestly, it does sound absolutely awful. It's where you write down a list of all the things that have been done to you that are awful and all the things that you have done to other people that have not been right. I, w- I will be going through a step study, uh, and and uh, honestly, like that's the part where I'm like, I don't want to, but we'll have friends that'll do it with me. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah, and like, and and I, and I hopped in, man. I was I was on that CR train. I think I had like the T-shirt and the bumper sticker and the Bible, and I had my group and I ha- I had my my accountability partner. You know, I had my sponsor, and then we got to step four, and I started doing it, 
And I was like, oh, 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 no, you want me you want me to face these demons that I've been that I've that I've learned how to hide my entire life. Like and that's the thing, guys, is and I didn't know I was doing it. It was just part of this part of survival. Like no kid knows that they're they're surviving or, or, or no kid knows that they're they're using something to mask the pain or to hide from the pain or to deal with it. They're just surviving. And that's what I did for most of my life is I just survived. And so now I'm like, oh, my dad abandoned me when I was five months old. Okay. He didn't want anything to do with me. How does that make me feel? (laughs) You know? Oh, my mom died when I was 13. I felt abandoned. Okay. So that brings up anger and resentment towards, towards God and towards the world. Okay. So I don't want to feel these things. I don't want to feel these things. That, that sounds awful, but you have to face the things. And then, then it's looking at, well, these things cause this pain. And then this pain translated into me doing something stupid and then lying to my wife and then hurting my children by lying to them as well. And it was, it was too much. It was too much to face. And so I, I made some stupid excuses and I just stopped going. So Mike left. And the hard part about being a Christian, I think, for me, is that we extend grace, and we extend grace completely and fully in the line of extending grace, but also, you know, holding people. I I don't know. It's a really hard line for me. So I was extending grace to Mike, and I was like, oh, you beat it. You're done. You've done the addiction. You're better. You're fine now. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he had beaten it. I thought, you know, our marriage had weathered the storm. We did it. No. <laughs> no, friends. It was one big storm. It was a... And it was a brewing. Yeah. Um, so then what? So I was... So like I said, I, I was... At that point, I was like 500 pounds. I was just a monster of a man. Um, still attractive, though. I would like to go on record that I have loved Mike at every shape, form, and size. This one <laughs> is my favorite, but I liked him then, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, I, was, I was over 500 pounds, and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and my sister-in-law had all gotten gastric bypass, and it was very successful for them. And I was, and so they were like, you should do this, too. And I'm like, and I'll keep dieting and trying that, and let me tell you. We I've, had I've, moved. From Washington in hopes to get gastric bypass. That yeah. was part of the plan. That was part of the plan. Uh, yeah. And this is uh, speaking prior to that. So um, so we tried and we tried and we tried. And because of my wife's incredibly hard work, uh, it was getting closer and closer to being there and being possible. And um, but all the meantime, you know, I, I was in pain. I was working some labor jobs and and my back was hurting because I was 500 pounds. Um, but where medicine should have lasted a month, it was lasting five days a week. And so I, in this time I was, gosh, how long was it? Like five years, mm-hmm. about five years, five years, just like intermittent drug use and stealing medicine from my in-laws and from friends. And, um, you know, and one thing I will come clean and I have come clean the page about, but you know, like. And I have told some of my close friends that, you know, before, if, if it was my first time to your house and I went to the bathroom, I probably looked through all the drawers and all the cabinets. Guys, can I tell you, that is never something I would even think <laughs> of doing. Like I, I was a nanny for a family and I was a nanny a lot before we had kids to different families. And one of the families my kid went over, I had asked permission for him to come over. It was like, they were going on a date night. Mike was working nights. I said, could I hang out with him for the hour before he had to go to work? Uh, and he came over and went to the bathroom. And he's like, did you see what they had in their medicine cabinet? I thought, no, I have never <laughs> once looked in their medicine cabinet, nor do I care to look in their medicine cabinet. It was pot. Anyways, <laughs> um, Mike, for five years, went on sinning, went on abusing. Yeah, and it was... Lying. Yep, I was lying about it, and I, 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 man, I, I got, I started getting good at not being honest, and I would catch him. 
and he would gaslight me, make yeah. me feel crazy. No, I didn't steal it. My parents would call me and say medicine's missing. My mm-hmm. sister called me, said medicine was missing. And he would tell me, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And have these excuses. Well, I don't know. I guess I should have gotten smarter quicker. But I believed him. Well, I, I mean, that puts blame on you. I, I abused your trust. You shouldn't have gotten smarter. You should not have gotten smarter sooner. I should have been honest sooner. I, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I, have, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, also, there is accountability for myself that I, I now know. <laughs> I now know so well. But at the time, I just, I didn't know. So uh, this went on for five years, friends. By In five years, we lost two babies. We, we had two miscarriages. Two, mm-hmm, we had two more babies. And, and here we are. We have three kids. Well, right before that, so I, I'd gotten my gastric bypass surgery in that five years. Mm-hmm. And I was stoked. I was like, this is, is going to be my turnaround. The coin's going to flip. You know, I'm going to be healthy. And with that, physical health will come all the emotional and spiritual health possible. Um, and at first it seemed like that because, man, I felt great. I, I dropped 225 pounds, something like that. And I, I felt like a brand new man. It was awesome. I mean, I was getting compliments and I felt great. And, you know. You looked, you look and looked incredible. Well, I thank you. I do appreciate that. Um, but here's the thing is my entire life, uh, I abused food because food is fantastic. Um, and, and it's that's the, taken away now. And that's the one thing that everybody can abuse because it's constantly there. And nobody looks at you and be like, you're going to bag of chips. You must have a really hard day. No. Nobody thinks that. And that was taken from me. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't gorge myself anymore. And so I, I I had to find something to make me feel good. And I chose the wrong thing. I kept I kept choosing the wrong thing. I kept cho- choosing medicine. And with a whole addiction being being taken from me uh the pace started to pick up with how often i was taking pills and how often i would get them i started i started getting scripts from different doctors uh well one doctor and then later on different doctors stealing from my in-laws and i would find him like you know some nights i wanted to watch tv by myself and he was like oh i'm just so tired i'm just so tired i'm gonna go to bed well he would take pills and stay up to make the high happen, question mark? Yeah, so I started to experiment more with more pills because, you know, people count their pain meds and, you know, it's you can only get so much access to things and just, I mean, addictions get worse. And so I started experimenting with more, with more drugs. It was painkillers for the longest time. And then I started to abuse Ambien, which is a sleeping pill, um, which even... Which, Am- by the way... I I can't and I can endorse Ambien. When I'm pregnant, I have the hardest time turning my brain off so that I could sleep. And I would occasionally take Ambien. My midwife said it was fine for all those listening and caring. And it is the best sleep of your life. That being said, if you do not go to sleep, you get crazy. Mm-hmm. And Mike was doing crazy stuff. He would not go to sleep. Um, Mike has a very distinct tell. And he, um, like if he takes medicine to go to sleep, he snores significantly louder and worse than normal. Now, gastric bypass Mike hasn't been snoring. So the fact that he's snoring Mm -hmm. is something in and of itself. Also, I found him. We have guns that we have locked up very safe away from our children. Multiple different panels of locked and I would find I found him one time like wrestling almost with the gun cabinet. I was like, "What are you doing?" He had I was trying to organize so, the gun ca- the gun cab- cabinet at like two o'clock in the morning. And he was supposed to have been asleep for two hours at this point. And I remember like yelling at him, trying to get him back into bed, and him just like being high out of his mind, 
high out of his mind. Mm -hmm. And the next morning I, I asked him, do you remember what happened last night? And he didn't, he couldn't cohesively tell things yeah. as they happened. Ambien um, is the memory loss drug. Let me just tell you that. It is awful. Uh, great sleep, but even even t- even taking how you're supposed to, uh-uh. It's it, not great. It's don't not do great. It. It, don't do it. Um, so <clears throat> th- things were hard for Paige. Things were hard for me. Um, here's where things started to get really, really, really bad. And to kind of put it in perspective, of the, or to kind of put it like in the time frame of things, um, the last two years is kind of where we're looking at. Um, I'm about a year into my gastric bypass, um, but also a year into really starting to abuse drugs because I I needed an addiction. And so what started to happen was I would, I would struggle because here, here I am lying. I'm, I'm lying to my spouse. I'm lying to my kids and I'm lying to the Lord. And I've had a relationship with Jesus since I was 15. Um, and it had all but faded away because I was living a life of sin and a life of, of lies. By the way, friends, we are actively doing ministry at this time. Yes, we were. Yes. Yes, we were. Mike say his relationship with Jesus. I laugh. It's not funny. His life with Jesus is not doing well at all. We're actively in a ministry together, Mm -hmm. which is causing a lot of tension in our marriage, Mm -hmm. but I don't know why. So I'm abusing pills. I'm hating myself for abusing pills. I'm hating myself for lying to my wife. I'm frustrated because I cannot seem to get close to the Lord no matter what I do. There's this, there's this, just this huge gap between me and 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 him of in our relationship, and it's getting just bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I just started getting even more depressed. And then I, gosh, I think in that since we moved to Tennessee, I've had what like thirteen jobs. We can, I can't even count. It's really hard to honor you and also comment on this. I'll be very honest. It, yeah, I have lost count on how many jobs Mike has had. <laughs> I, I have not lived an honorable life in the past couple of years, so it's okay. Um, so I would be frustrated that I couldn't couldn't get a good job. <laughs> um, and I was hurting both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I was lying to my wife. And so I was just caught in this stupid stupid cycle, which then led into the second time Paige has given me an ultimatum, which was in November of 2019. You say ultimatum, which in it was. You're correct, it was. Um, I guess ultimatum kind of gives this taste that like it was false or there wasn't any truth behind it. I meant it with every fiber in my being. So when Mike got caught in the gun cabinet... It was in November, and I flat out said, you're lying. You are high. And he tried to deny, 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 gaslight. And I was like, no, uh-uh, I know it. I know that you're lying. Um, and I kicked him out, and I told him, we're done. I had told you that we're done. I meant it six years, five years ago. I meant it now. Um, I'm not proud of this, but I also wanted Mike to feel the weight of his sin our kids' room is right off the living room, or was at this point. And at that time, Zayo, we're yelling. And at that time, Zayo, our oldest, heard us. And she comes out crying, and I point to Zayo, and I say to Mike, you did this. This is you. This is not me. This is nothing I did. This is you in the weight of your actions, in the weight of your sin. Um. And we, Zayo and I had a lot of conversations after that, but Mike left. I kicked him out. He didn't leave, but I kicked him out. Um, we chatted later on that night. He obviously didn't have anywhere to go. Who do you call up and say, hey, my wife just kicked me out. So he came home. Also, who, who, <laughs> who am I going to call and then forcefully be transparent with that? Mm, there's some truth. Look where I am. Right. So he ended up coming home, um, and I told him, I will never 
do this again. So that was November. Let me tell you that. So as as we as we've exposed already, that was not the end of the story of my addiction or my lies. Um, and as we're sitting here prior to recording, we were talking about like about about that time, like you know, we were like, well, you know, why didn't I take it seriously? And the reality is, I, I did take it. I did take it seriously. I again was just so hurt and so messed up that I I wasn't ready to take it seriously. And that's the part of it, addiction. Your mind is not right. Mm-mm. It's just not right. And I'm sitting here trying to reason with someone who does not have the ability to reason. Like, you, for this to work, you need to be okay. And I wasn't okay. And I needed to get okay. And okay is not just something you turn on and off. It's something that you work towards. I wish I had known that. I, I did not know that. <laughs> I, I wish I had known that. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> The the feeling of packing up your things and having your five-year-old daughter following you around, weeping, asking you not to leave, um, hurts even to this day. Something so deep. And she had this uh, plush Elsa doll. Oh man. And she, um, she went into her bedroom and she came back out and she hands it to me and she's, she's crying. I mean, she's, she's, she's weeping and she says, I want you to take this daddy so that way you're not alone. And I remember falling on the floor because it solidified like, oh man, like this is, I did this. I did this and I wish that that moment was enough for me to get sober, to stop, to have one of those moments, those aha moments. Um, unfortunately, that didn't come until months later. Right. And what I want to touch on during this is Mike and I genuinely love and enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. We would have said, even during these times, we had a great marriage. We enjoyed each other. We were each other's best friends. We mostly <laughs> told each other everything. <laughs> we <laughs> we shared about our lives together. So I guess I felt like I was living in this fantasy world of thinking things were fine. That, yes, this was a problem, but I did not understand how big of a problem that it, it was. Uh, those of you who are friends with me in real life and online, um, if you go back and look, like, I genuinely thought we were doing okay. I, we brag on each other on Facebook and Instagram all the time because we genuinely like each other. I don't, I don't want people to think that we were putting on some oh, mask. Oh, no, no, like, there's... We... We were doing the thing. I just, we didn't know the extent of how much it was ruining our lives. Well, and, and I had no idea that, <laughs> I had no idea that marriage was so real. Oh, speak to that, okay? Okay, I'm going I'm mm-hmm, to speak <laughs> to that. And no, uh, I didn't grow up with a dad. I, my, I lost my mom when I was young. I spent a lot of time by myself and... I protected myself and by I kept my things close. I kept telling Mike, like, I want to be in that club that you and the kids have. Can you love me as fully as you love the kids? Because I feel like I'm loving you with everything that I have. Mm-hmm. And there's something missing. Like, I think there's something missing. Is there something missing? And he would be like, I, I'm loving you as much as I can. And he would, he would say, like, you're an extrovert. This is how you do things. You're you know, really loud and outgoing. And I was like, I I don't know. Is that it? Well, I mean, I thought I was. Yeah, I I agree. And and I, to my credit, I I was, I just didn't. You didn't know what was possible. I didn't know. I didn't know that this was possible. And it's still hard, like what we have now. And we'll get into that um, more. But I, I didn't know that marriage was so hard and so real to be 
transparent, like to, to speak honestly and to be like, I am depressed. And because of my depression, I'm getting high. Like that's a bad thing. That's not okay to be doing, but it's not okay because it was unhealthy. Like we all do unhealthy things. It was unhealthy for me not to be wor- actively working at getting better mm-hmm. and getting and working towards us. And so I was just doing my thing. I was doing my thing I'd done my entire life, which is protect myself. Because if I let you in, if I let you know that I'm really, really depressed, I hate my life out here, and to cope with that, I get high, and to have the burden of supporting a family and not being happy here, I have to get high. That's letting you into something that I don't don't want you in there because that's going to show you my cards and then I get hurt. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, while trying to protect myself, I was hurting you. And you're robbing yourself of experiencing true connection, true joy, true um, support Mm -hmm. that you never experienced before. So that was in November um, of 2019, only five months before the pandemic and five months before um, all hell broke loose in the Guzman household again, uh, thanks to yours truly. Um, Because of what happened, because of getting caught and because of, you know, the interaction I had with, with my daughter and getting kicked out of the house, like it was like, okay, I need to take this seriously. There is something that's going on. I need to take my faith seriously. I need to take my role as a parent seriously. I need to take my um, sobriety seriously. Let's start doing this so I can keep my marriage going. And so I can try to be something of a healthy person. And so we, we had seen a marriage counselor prior to that. And then I had kept seeing him just to keep working on things. Um, And part of not, you know, part of protecting myself and, and not being transparent is even with a counselor, I was like 80% transparent, which let me tell you, if you're paying for counseling and you're not being 110% transparent at every single word you say, you're wasting your money. That was one of the things I was most mad at you about. <laughs> she I was, was like, so bad. all this money all we this money spent, spent. Oh. all this money, are you kidding me? I was like, hey, 80% is much better than zero. No, it's not. It's not. It's not, guys. And I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm 36 and it, it, they're... Yeah, Trans, you, transparency is being 100% or it's not. So um, so I started seeing my counselor more and I started taking my faith more seriously. And I was like, I'm going to push as, as hard as I possibly can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. And it didn't get fixed. In fact, um, it got so much worse uh, that... Um, I don't remember when it was, but I, I was getting, I was full of, I was getting, I was getting anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. Um, my faith was crumbling. I was getting more and more anxious about my faith with the Lord and about my marriage and about myself. And I felt like I was losing my mind because I wasn't sleeping with this anxiety and depression. So I went and saw a doctor and they're like, oh yeah, we'll give you Ambien to help you sleep. No, we'll, thank you. <laughs> we'll give you Xanax for the anxiety. Please don't. We'll tra- We'll get you on a new antidepressant, which antidepressants are awesome as long as they're not the narcotic kinds. And I was like, oh, thank you, because there's just so much going on here. And it got worse. And it got worse. And so I was so deeply depressed and in a dark place. And it was like, I I was so mad at God because I felt like I was crying out and he wasn't showing up. And the reality was, is I wasn't truly trying to seek him. I was still holding back in that transparency. You're holding back in that transparency. What does that mean? I was afraid. I was afraid of the life change that would have to happen with me. Mm. I was afraid of exposing myself. Um, giving myself fully over to anybody, to you, to the Lord. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I need to be fully transparent and be a hundred percent there and give it all, which sounded terrifying. And because it wasn't happening and because 
and I'm I'm not I, I I'm not one of those people who tries to over spiritualize things. Um, I would say Paige is is more that way, not in a bad way. I don't over spiritualize. Things are spiritual, and I, I state I, that I, as a fact. I under spiritualize things. Um, I I know now. A year and a half later, that it was a t- uh, it was a demonic attack. Come on now, <laughs> let me tell you, about it. guys. Again, that was another argument. I was like, I know the signs. This is a demonic attack. Absolutely not. We're not. And I'm like in fight mode. Which, guys, I'll tell you, if I'm on your side, I am gonna fight to the death for you. It's one of my biggest attributes that I like most about myself. Like, I fight for my clan, and I'm sitting here trying to fight, and he's like, No, that's not it. I found myself parked in a parking lot a couple of miles from our house with a gun in my mouth. Trying to figure out what it would be like to not have me there for my kids and for my wife. And everything said that it would be better because you can't be better. Gosh, that's such a lie from Satan himself. Here's how incredible the Holy Spirit is. And friends, if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Holy Spirit, here is how incredible he will be to you. I knew that Mike was trying to kill himself in my spirit. I Something told me. And I can't, I can't remember, were we texting at that point? Were you texting while you were in this parking lot? I think so. But I called Mike and I said, are you trying to kill yourself? Because I just knew. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do. And it took everything within me to start that car. And I drove home and I walked in and it it was like, it was like removing a million splinters. It was difficult. It was painful. It was overwhelming, but I listened to my wife and he's here. We got on our knees. So here I grew up in a very, um, charismatic church. I don't think you would know that it was charismatic until you got more into small groups, into church and relationships, but it was a very charismatic church. And Mike grew up, he has so much biblical knowledge from this incredible church, but I think that they lack application. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know, like, what does it look like to come before the throne of God and give things over to him? Well, he doesn't know how to... Um, fight these battles. Fight these and battles. And it is not with a... Uh, what's that song? This is how I fight my battles. No, no, that's a... That one? Yeah, it's highly untheological. <laughs> Anyway, so no, with praise and worship, absolutely. See, we will disagree on that. It's, it's okay, and that's, and that's okay, and that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. So, anyways, I mentored Mike. I no, you just. I was like, listen, this is a spiritual battle, and we are going to get on our knees, and we are going to be here until Jesus shows up. And I think, guys, you know, there's a lot of back and forth as to whether or not that is what we should do, but God in my experience, has honored that. If you seek him, he will come. And here was a time where Mike was about to kill himself. And he didn't tell me the extent of it months later. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that he was truly trying to kill himself until, yeah, we had a conversation way after the fact. But I said, listen, if you are having a problem with the Lord, let's go to him and we stay here until he answers us. So we turned on worship music. We got our Bibles. We got on our knees and in the living room. And we prayed. And we and we spoke in the name of Jesus that whatever was going on inside me would flee. And Mike had always said that he had never experienced the Lord before. Like he didn't feel like the Lord 
I didn't experience the Lord um, in that powerful way. I've experienced his peace and like his presence, but not in that like, like a Russian wind come in, you know, like. You mock it. But I don't, I'm not mocking it. I'm using, that's just, you know me. But man, he came in like a rushing wind and cast out w- that evil that was over me. Mm. And there's and th- there's a lot there's a there's a lot you could argue against and for and whatever you know because yes was I abusing pills at the time of course you know was I not emotionally okay a hundred percent and I'm after going th- beforehand I'd have been like no th- these this is the result of my decisions which is true but. The enemy is a jerk, and he'll use your own decisions against you. And he will distract you. And he'll distract me. And while I was trying to get things better, things got worse. And the des- the thought of suicide quickly left. Come on now. And it didn't return. Let's go. Um, and I, it was it was crazy. But here's the thing, too. <laughs> and here's how I know that our spouses um, and God need your whole heart from you. They, mm-hmm. need your, they need all from you for it to be a good and thriving relationship. Because here I am in this dark, 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 dark place. And I'm admitting this part to my wife and to my God. And they were both very faithful to me. And it was awesome. The depression... The depression still was there, but the suicidal thoughts were ripped away from me. And I've yet to think of suicide again. And they were great to me because I shared this with them, this need and this and this deep pain. And if I had stayed on track there, if I was like, okay, I'm still abusing medicine I'm not okay. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know how to navigate this. I'm very broken. I don't know what to do, and I'm trying to fix this on my own, and I'm lost. And every second of every day, I'm lying, I'm abusing, and I'm lost. If I would have said that to Paige, and if I would have said that to the Lord, they would have shown up in, the, in like a mighty wind that, like they did that day. Well, there's grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing to remember is that when your spouse comes to you, the last thing they need is to be browbeaten. And the first thing they need is your open arms. Mm-hmm. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is really hard. Our counselor um, said that uh, drug abuse is most closely linked and how it uh, presents itself as um, adultery. Mm. And Aaron, who's so smart and so wise, told me that I would have to comfort my husband as he mourns the loss of the other woman. The other woman being the addiction. Right. I I am pretty sure I gave him some thoughts on that. <laughs> I, I gave Aaron some thoughts on that. But that wisdom carried us through and and what happened next so so that was january ish yeah that was january uh february because i was working at that copier place that warehouse work so in march we all know covid19 came into effect (laughs) thank you i think it's not in effect (laughs) So I was working at an events place uh, where we threw these big events for speakers. My whole life got shut down. I was still employed for a couple of months after uh, I lost my job in June. But I was working there. We got sent home. All of life is getting shut down. And for better or for worse, what happens to me when bad things happen is I flee. When I lose a job, I immediately go to the movies and I turn everything off. And for two hours, I watch a movie and then I wake up, essentially. Or you drive to Seattle or Chattanooga. And when we come back, that's when we deal with it. But we do something fun first. Whether that's Sometimes we deal with it. Sometimes we deal with it. Sometimes we have not dealt with it. I know. (laughs) 
So for better or for worse, what little we knew about COVID, I knew that we were supposed to shelter in place for two weeks. And I thought to myself, if I need a shelter in place for two weeks, I'm going to be with people that I like. <laughs> and so I grabbed Zayo and Memphis and I liked Zola and Mike, but they couldn't come. I was I was working my 37,000th job. <laughs> and I went to New York to where our, my college bestie lives. And we sheltered in place there. Guys, we did not leave the house for two weeks. We stayed in place. But I was going to shelter in place with my besties. Um, and because I'm, you know, I'm so good at like being the best worker at this time in my life. <laughs> I was, Paige was like, you should just come out here. Just come Wait, out here. he hated that job. And I was I like, hate, what's oh, the man, even I point? Hate, was, what's I the point? I hated that You'll job. find another job in two minutes. Just- which, which is true. I, I'm very good at finding jobs. Um, bad at keeping them. Um, because I am a pill addict, was a pill addict, praise Lord. So I book a flight for Mike to come out, and I told my bestie, I'm not going to tell their names, uh, you know, just for protection of everything that happened. And they are, they are truly some of the best people in the world. We vacationed Absolutely. with them multiple times. We, we are essentially them. the same people. <laughs> The husband, so the husband is just like me and I'm just like him and you're just like her and vice. I mean, like, yeah, it's insane. They're, they're our couple best friends. So they really are. Mike is flying up and I tell my friend, I said, hey, Mike is a recovering drug addict. Would you please put away your pills? She had Adderall. I said, would you please put away your pills and would you count them? Or no, she says to me, should I count them? And I said, sure. That did not happen. And I want to say very clearly... Everyone listen, please. That is of no fault of her own. No. Should she have to put up her own pills in her own house? Absolutely not. She was incredible through this entire experience. That being said, she didn't put them away. So I I arrive in New York. Anyway. um, This was not in New York City. No, this is Buffalo. Should we not say those kind of things? Because they can pinpoint them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, On the flight... So I was taking Ambien on a regular basis at this point. Um, And complaining that he could never sleep. Yes. Because he's abusing Ambien. Yes. Uh, Because it throws off your sleep cycle. And um, I would stay... I would take him and then stay up and... Which is so dumb, but I don't I, I don't remember the flight in because I was on Ambien and high and high, high on the Ambien. Yes, very high. Um, so the next morning, so we so I get there. I, I arrive in New York and we're hanging out, and I make sure I find time to go through their cupboards, and I do, and I find medicine and. Because the internet, I had no, I never no idea what it was because of the internet, I looked it up and it was Adderall. And so I grabbed a handful and put them back and went on your merry way. Went on my merry way like an idiot. So the next morning, my bestie comes up to me and she was like, Hey, I am so sorry. I didn't put them away and I just recounted there's some missing. I'm going to tell you, friends, this is the most mortified I have ever been in my life. The amount of embarrassment that that was, I can't even convey. We're in New York. We're not home. What am I supposed to do with my husband, who is here? I have told him I am done after this just a couple of months ago. We're in somebody else's house. We're in someone else's house. This our, is someone else's medicine. Our children are there. Their children are there. Like yes, it's... our children are also best friends. I was mortified. I'm still mortified. I So I told her I would take care of it. I told Mike to come here. And I told him that I knew. Don't even try lying to me. He's tried for a second and I said, no, mm-hmm. do not lie to me. And I booked him on the next flight home. And I remember saying to him, you have robbed me. You have oh. robbed me of half my kids' lives. You will now have half of their Christmases, half of their Easter's, half of their bedtimes, half of their soccer games. 
you have taken this from me. It was, it was devastating, friends. I remember sitting on their couch and I had reheated up a half of a Subway sub and I had come back down from up or before that I was upstairs and I had taken the last few of the pills that I had stolen from our friends and I was sitting there waiting anxiously for the high to kick in and she sat down in front of me and confronted me and I remember the feeling of all the blood rushing out of me and feeling cold. I can still feel that feeling like it was yesterday. Um, and then everything, I, this is how fast everything happened. She got on her phone and she rebooked my flight and I, my flight left in like three and a half hours. So I literally. And you left the house 20 minutes after 20 that minutes. conversation. Yeah. My, my, the, the husband, my good friend drove me to the airport and dropped me off, which by the way, uh, what a, what a <laughs> one, one a what a saint of a, of a man, but also what a drive because he knew exactly what was going on. And let me tell you, he loved you very well in that. He did. Incredibly well. And yeah, I, the numbness that came after that, um, that was the longest couple of days of my life that followed after that. Mine as well. I, uh, you, here's what we talk about all the time. He knew this was coming. He was on the train. He saw the train. Mm -hmm. And I had glimpses of the train, but I did not understand at all what had happened. Not really. Now that we have put it all together, I understand. But I didn't understand at that time. Yeah. Um, I remember... I remember praying to God on the flight because remember this is COVID and this is New York. So nobody's flying. <laughs> I think I was one of three people on this flight. We had a signed waiver saying that we were going immediately home to quarantine, which yeah, we did. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I remember asking the Lord to show me mercy by letting the plane crash. <laughs> I didn't want to commit this suicide. This is my first time hearing this. I didn't want to commit suicide. I, I didn't want to kill myself. And I was like, loophole. <laughs> I can, let me get out of this. <laughs> let me get out of this. Let, let, let it be a dream. Mm. Um, and it was not. So the, so I uh, do the finances in our home. I love math and it's uh, a security to me to know that everything's paid off. I knew that Mike was not pulling in enough from his various jobs to pay for a place to live. So I told him he needed, before we got home, he needed to move one of our kids' bunk beds downstairs and he could stay in our basement, uh, in our garage, and live there while he figured it, all this out. Yeah, like she, she called me. She's like, so what do you, like, you need to figure, like, you need to be gone. You have X amount of days to, to get your stuff in order and you need to be out of the house. And I was trying to figure that out. I was, I came home and tried to piece something together. Um, Cause at this point you're jobless. I'm jobless. You're familyless. I'm familyless. I'm about to be homeless. Uh, I remember sitting down with a pad of paper and writing out pros and cons of where to go. What, to, you know, I, I've, at this point he's thinking I'm going to move back to Michigan to be with my family I'll move back to Washington to be with my other family. Mm -hmm. uh, can I move in with a friend? Did you even think about that here in Nashville? Uh, I thought about some options out here. Um, it's very hard, especially because COVID just hit, to try to get into any kind of program. And plus, you know, financially, 
to get into a program, it costs a lot of money, which is really unfortunate. Um, that should be really, in my opinion, something that's totally state funded, but, um, it was, yeah. So I was looking at all my options and I remember calling. So, and I'm sure we're going to send another, another episode, but there was a family that took me in, in in Washington when I was there in college. And I call them my mom and my dad because they are, they, they're great people. Um, they're incredible. <laughs> um, but I called them and told them what was going on. I was, me and Paige are getting a divorce. Here's what happened. Uh, they were, they were the first people I had ever been a hundred percent transparent with. Like this was your first time being hundred percent transparent ever. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was over the phone with my parents telling them everything that had happened and why it happened. And my dad said to me, you may have lost your wife. In fact, it's pretty apparent that that's going to happen is that your marriage is over, but your relationship with your children is not. So even though you are not no longer in Paige's life, you have to do everything in your power to stay in your children's life. That will be your main goal for the rest of your life is to stay in your children's life as much as possible. 